I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. You can now listen to all of our episodes and see show notes at FriendlyAtheistPodcast.com. Wendy Thomas Russell is a journalist who spent years covering criminal justice. In 2008, she began writing books for and about children, including three books for the Girl Scouts. In 2011, her focus shifted to secular parenting. Not only does she blog on Pathos at Natural Wonders, she's about to release a new book called Relax, It's Just God, How and Why to Talk to Your Kids About Religion When You're Not Religious. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much. So why this book and why now? Why is this book so important to have in our uh, society right now? Right. Well, um, the, there's, I don't think that there's a better time to be releasing a book about secular parenting. Um, we have more than 60 million non-religious people in the country. And my, what I think it's around 14 million. I'm no mathematician or statistician, and I'm not sure. But, you know, my numbers are sort of calculated about 14 million or so are, are secular parents. And the majority of them are first-generation secularists, meaning right. they were raised in a religion that they know, that no longer sort of feels right to them. So they can't fall back on what they were taught as children. And um, and generally speaking, a lot of them are searching for the right approach to take with their own kids. So, um, you know, that that secularism is on the rise um, is, you know, one reason that it's that the book is so so timely. But, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing is that intolerance seems to have reached a crescendo, you know, worldwide right now. And I do worry a little bit about forgetting to teach our kids the value of, you know, true religious tolerance and understanding. And, sure. and I don't, you know, I don't want to fight religious bigotry by raising a non-religious bigot. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so that's sort of, that's, that's sort of why I, I think it's a good uh, time to write the book. Well, what I think is interesting is we've talked to uh, one or two other authors who have written secular parenting yeah. type books. Dan Orell, yeah. Dale McGowan. Yeah, not to name drop. Not to name drop. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, what I think is interesting is this isn't about just raising secular kids or teaching morals to kids without religion. It's about talking to your kids about religion. Is there something particular yeah, that made you want to write about that? Yeah, it's a very practical book in that way, and I and I think you're right. It is it is a bit different. Um, the you know when I when I started out uh, writing, I I started writing it and blogging about four years ago, and my daughter was five at the time, and she started asking questions about God, and I realized that I just didn't know how I wanted to go about answering those questions. So, you know, it was very practical. Like, what should I say? when should I say it? What tone should I use? What word should I use? And so, you know, when it came, when it came to, um, when it came to religion as a practical matter, I just found myself badly and needing like a guidebook and I couldn't find one. So I wrote one. <laughs> Did you ever screw up? Are there any cringeworthy moments that come to mind where you answered a question for your daughter and you're like, why would I say that in, in hindsight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there definitely were. I I think that I made um I made the mistake uh, especially early on um that a lot of people make which is I just talk too much. You know, she asked a simple question and I just droned on and on and told her until she was like I don't care. You know, stop talking. I'm 5. So, I don't need to know all this. Yeah, exactly. You lost me like 17 hours ago. So, so I do think that, you know, that is kind of the one of the more um uh, common and troublesome, you know, uh, pits to fall into. Do you live in a part of the country where religion is 
kind of on the forefront. Clearly, you said you're outside, so you're not in the Midwest and you're not in the Northeast. So, <laughs> yeah, right, right. I was raised in the Midwest. I was raised in a very small town in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and I moved out to California about uh, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I am in an extremely, I would call it progressively liberal um city in Long Beach. It's in kind of uh, south of Los Angeles. Um, so where I am, it's it's very diverse, um, you know, rel- I would say relatively diverse and, and open. And so I, you know, was pleasantly surprised to find that when I did start blogging and writing about my lack of religious leanings, I didn't ever feel like I was going to be firebombed or <laughs> that anyone was going to, you know, be really outraged. I was a little nervous, you know, about, you know, my child being in school because she's sure. actually on the other side of the, of the, of the orange curtain. So she's in Orange County, which is a bit, as we know, more conservative. So I was a little concerned about that at first, but you know, that, that too, I've just realized that people tend to be pretty laid back about religion around here. One of the things I absolutely love about the atheist parenting books that are coming out, and I think it's it's worth noting because it's it's important, when you compare them to books about raising your kids written by religious people, they talk about, for example, you know, raising your kids with Christian values to believe in certain things. And mm-hmm. atheist books are very much against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not about, you know, quote unquote, indoctrinating your child with atheism. It's about teaching yeah. them how to think. And I wonder yes. what you make of that in your book about, you know, what if your child comes home and, and says, your daughter says, I believe in heaven. I believe in right. Jesus. Even if she's very young, how yeah. do you deal with that? And are you okay with that ultimately? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's the crux of my book. So I'm glad you asked it. Because um, it's very much, I do think that that my my book is, is written really for anyone who considers themselves to be non-religious. It doesn't necessarily mean just atheists and agnostics. It could be, you know, people who just don't care, you know, right. about religion or people who are maybe progressively uh, theist. Um, but But certainly the thing that binds them together is this uh, the sense of not wanting to indoctrinate them into their own worldview, and so that um, so that to me is is a it, the book. What the book is about is how do you do that? How do you how do you get there? And I think that one of the fundamental tenets that I've adopted is it's okay to believe in God. Your kid can believe anything she wants. You know, it's mm-hmm. not. There's no. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with with adopting a belief in a certain um, god or uh, or even a certain set of you know religious tenets. But um, but it's who 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 you are and what you do in life that matters. Mm-hmm. So yes, I I definitely come at this from an angle of if my child believes in God, that's totally fine. It's that doesn't define her. You know. Do you have any stories or did you see any incidents of your daughter coming home saying so-and-so told me I was going to hell? I don't know if you've ever had that, but Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I had some kid tell me I was going to hell because I didn't go to church. You did. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, yes, I have. Um, And Maxine right now is, uh, she's nine, and she, for the last couple of years, has taken the stand that she believes in God on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays or sure. Sundays and Wednesdays, <laughs> I think. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so she, so she's a part-time believer and, and that's, that's fine. Um, she said that it's Sundays cause that's the church day. And then, um, and then Wednesdays cause she needs to have a school day where she believes in God. Sure. So, oh, well, that, obviously. you know, yeah. it really, <laughs> it's, it's well thought out a logic. Um, so, so yeah, so, but she did, but she has had the conversation with her friends at school from time to time. It does come up and, uh, the kids at school are mostly, you know, generally theist, I think. And so, yeah, she has had, um, one situation where a very good friend of hers said, uh, if you don't believe in God, you go to a very, very bad school. That was the first incident. Okay. So Not quite I love hell, the but... <laughs> for, <laughs> it's like, that is as bad as they can imagine <laughs> in kindergarten. You know? right, right. <laughs> bad school. And then, um, and then, and then later on there was, yeah, I I think it was in first or second grade, there was uh, someone said that if you don't believe in God, you go to hell. And then she wanted to know what hell was. And that one stung, you know, a sure. little bit. But we but it was a, it was good to, you know, open up the conversation. And and then I was able to write about it and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of um, look into it a little bit more. The one about the school, that sounds like somebody parod- parodying what their parents said, don't you think? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And that's I just don't think that most of these most of these things happen because kids kids really want to hurt your kids' feelings. You right. know, they really don't. They're just trying to work it out for themselves. Like they've, they've been told that, well, you, ha- you know, if you, if you don't, if you don't go to church, then you're going to go to hell. They're just, you know, they, and then they meet someone who doesn't go to church and now they're like freaked out. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you, like this you're going yeah. to go to hell. Right. You know what you do? Don't you know? Deal? Yeah. So I don't, you know, they're really, they're just trying to work it out for themselves. It's, you know, they might be kind of scared for themselves, but they're not, you know, they're not trying to be mean or trying no. to bully. I mean, in this situation, it definitely wasn't a bully situation. But, um, but yeah, you know, they're they're parroting what they they heard, and and with Maxine, it never went you know any further, and I I didn't push it, and you know, we had a little talk, and that was it. Let me let me play a little rapid fire game with you, and I'm wondering these are questions that I think a lot of kids ask, and they tend mm-hmm. to get a religious answer from their parents, okay. and I'm wondering how you yeah. might approach them. Uh, so the first one. Does God exist? Well, I would say I'm a big proponent of the some people believe this and some people believe that. Uh So how I would go about that is to say, well, I don't believe that God exists, but a lot of people do believe that God exists. And some people believe that a lot of gods exist. And what you, the nice thing about, you know, life is that you get to make up your own mind about about whether you think that God exists. That's not a question that can be, you know, it's not a, it's not a true, true or false question. That's a belief question. Okay. What about, uh, where do we go when we die? Ooh. Or if a pet dies, what gotcha happens? Question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, again, um, I would, I would probably throw in the, um, uh, the at some point the bit about well this is what you know this is what other other people believe but for me i would just be honest and say um i believe that when when people die their bodies decompose and they um they go into a a state that is um identical to the way they were before they were born mm-hmm. so it's it's completely peaceful in the sense that not being born was peaceful and and that's it and you know it's it dying is as natural as living and it's just a cycle and you know we have to just 
em embrace the here and now that we have today and 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 use that as sort of a, a launching to talk about how you can extend your life and be healthy and be safe and you know all of these things that can extend your life and then, and then you know it i think that it's definitely appropriate and it, honestly it's uh, i would say inevitable that kids are going to hear about heaven and have already heard right. about heaven at a very young age. So I think it just, that's going to come in no matter what into the conversation without you having to really bring it up. I want to buy your book from my parents and I'm almost 30. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do have one more question, it. but uh, have, yeah. I don't, if, forgive me if this is personal. Have, has your child experienced the death of anyone close to her? No, not yet. We okay. had the death of a, we had the death of a dog um, that she took really well. <laughs> and, um, uh, no, no, not really close. Not really. Okay. We've definitely had deaths. We had a great, uh, her great grandmother and her, and her great aunt died. So uh -huh. we talked a lot about death, um, mm -hmm. around that time. And her one set of grandparents are Christians. So they talked to her about the aunt going to heaven. And, um, and so we were able to kind of talk about different beliefs around that. Got it. And then the last one is, uh, where did I come from? Where do babies come from? Oh, my gosh. Well, you got to get yourself a sex book on that one. <laughs> <laughs> because I've, I've never really easy. understood the answer to that one. And, yeah. Yeah, well, we have a great book called uh, Where Did I Come From? It's been out for like 50 years. Yeah. And so that one's just, to me, the sex talk is way easier than the God talk. Really? <laughs> yes, it was. I mean, I feel I feel confident about talking about God now. But at the time, I would much rather have been, I'll take anal Oral sex, any, any kind of the sex is that be because any of the sex over god you know, is that because it's just out. there's like a definitive way to talk about that or it's just like well yes. this is the way it is and god there's so many conflicting views about it yes yes exactly and i felt like you know there's just so many sticky issues that can come up with the religion thing you know and the sex people. thing uh -oh. <laughs> yeah well true and i for some reason i just you know that i'm like eh, whatever <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> uh, what about Santa Claus? Did you like Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy? Yeah, yeah. Where do you yeah. stand on those? So I'm totally fine with them. Um, you know, we kind of adopted the Dale McGowan school of thought on that, which was, you know, it's, childhood is a time of magic and, yeah. um, and you know, and, and have as much fun as you can. And I've kind of let her be the guide on that. She's, mm -hmm. you know, she's sort of... Um, uh, you know, as she gets older, I don't push for much right now because she's nine. She's right on the cusp. Where she really pretty much knows that mm -hmm. he's not real, but she's still really enjoying it. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of she's milking it a little bit and I'm totally willing to do that. <laughs> but I feel the same way about I feel the same way about God, too. I mean, I think that, you know, God can be, you know, really fun to think about. I mean, mm -hmm. wow. And he's like a like Batman, you know, he's like the super cool superhero guy that knows everything. I mean, that is awesome. So, yeah, I don't think that we need to be I don't think we need to be worried about, you know, uh, introducing magical things to our kids and supernatural yeah. things. I, I think that, you know, being a kid means that you get to just explore it all and you know, throw it out all out there. Let them have fun with it. And then they'll, you know, they'll figure it out. That kind of reminds me of when I first became an atheist and I first found like 
one of my best friends from high school is also an, also an atheist. I'm like, oh, I can talk to somebody about this. And she was like, I yeah. think God is like Santa Claus for adults. And like you've heard yeah. that a million times. And my yeah. mind exploded. I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, you're so insightful. <laughs> Do you think that Santa Claus and God are just they're both examples of things you'll eventually grow out of? Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, there. I mean, there's, there is definitely. I mean, a part of that. I mean, I do think that that, you know, any anything like that is, yeah. There's, there's a, there's a parallel for sure. Do you think we should raise kids to be atheists? And because I've heard of a lot of atheist parents mm-hmm. who are like, forget this. Uh, I understand the uh, teaching your child, let them make up their own mind. But mm-hmm. you know what, if they're going to be, be very clear and say, no, God doesn't exist. That's a silly thing. And, and they'll say the same thing about right. Santa, too. Right. Yeah. See, I don't I don't um, I do not think that we should be raising our kids to be anything. Mm-hmm. I think that we should be raising them to be free thinkers. And I think that if um, if we really want to do that, then we have to make a concerted effort to, you know, not <laughs> all of our, you know, our religious baggage and, and every, you know, negative thought that we ever had about, um, you know, believers or religious people or whatever, um, under our kids. I just think that that is, is shooting ourselves in the foot and it's, and it's certainly putting the kibosh on their ability to really truly make up their own minds. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to laugh at Bill Maher jokes, but it's another (laughs) to, you know, to take that, to your kids and yeah. say, yeah, ha ha, this is hilarious. These people believe that. And isn't that, you know, stupid. And cause I mean, come on, it's just, there's, there's not, I, I have my beliefs, you have your beliefs, who cares? As long as we're, you know, as long as we're kind of meeting on our common ground and on a million other things that really matter, then it doesn't, you know, I mean, it's fun to sit around and sort of kvetch with like-minded people, you know, sure. but when it comes down to it, you know, we're talking about talk, talking to kids and, and, and I think, you know, I, I really value kindness and tolerance much more than being right, you know, and, and, um, uh, yeah, being right. So a thing I personally think about a lot is if I, and I don't have any kids, Hammond doesn't have any kids, so we're super experts mm-hmm. on this. Yeah. But I think a lot about like, yeah, I would want to raise my hypothetical kids who are really cute, by the way, um, to be, you know, totally. free thinkers. They are adorable. I know. Thank you. Mm-hmm. They take after me. Um, <laughs> to be like free thinkers and all that. But I, I honestly, like if I had an 18 year old kid who was like, P.S. found Jesus by, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm, don't exactly. think I would handle that well, which is so against like everything I believe and like let your kid pick their own path. Do you, sure, like, you'd be sure. disappointed as a parent if oh, your yeah. kid became super religious. I really would. But like, that's yeah. shitty of me. I hate thinking that. I don't know. What do you, well, you know, yeah, I think, I think that you have to, um, I think that you have to understand that your kid is very likely, unless you, you know, uh, do something really bad, and you're a great parent. I know that about your children, so it's not a problem for you. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, I think that your kid is very likely to land in the same, you know, with the same general worldview that you have. They're just they're kind of predisposed to do that. Um, but you know, if you are sort of uh, in injecting, you know, your, your values and your, um, and your, you know, and your, the value that you have, um, 
to to free think. I mean, that you want your your child to. What it would take for your child to, at the age of eighteen, you know, become a fundamentalist, um, mm-hmm. you know, kid in a, you know, with a charismatic leader or something. I mean, that would. I think that that would really require them to have sort of, I don't know, maybe not so much with the free thinking on that. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm, I don't think I'm saying this very well, but, um, but I, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> how do I say this better? How can I, um, how can I save myself on this? I, I think <laughs> that that sh- maybe that shouldn't be the, you know, your concern. That's what I'm thinking. I think that, <laughs> I think that if, if you raise your kid to be, um, tolerant of the people, if you raise them to understand that, you know, people should be judged on their, their character, not their beliefs, you know, that, that, you know, what's wrong isn't that someone thinks they're going to go to heaven when they die, but what's wrong is, you know, sexism and homophobia, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these things are, are sort of wrong, then, um, you know, why would your kid become a fundamentalist, you know, get of that. And if they did, if they did find something just spiritually Mm -hmm. that they got out of that, then, yeah, live with it. You know, we're, we're not creating mini-me's, you know, right. we don't, you know, we want our kids, we created the free thinker. It's okay to be, you know, sort of disappointed um, if if they sort of choose a path that's different from ours, but we got to be willing to do that. I mean, that's the bottom line. We have to be willing to do that because if we're not, that's where we go down the path of indoctrination. Let me ask you, you mentioned at the beginning of this interview that so many of us grew up as first-generation atheists. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we broke free of religion at some point in our life. What's going to happen when you start seeing more and more second-generation atheists? Like, what's mm-hmm. the so difference going to be? Yeah, what's the difference going to yeah. be with kids who were raised by parents who were not religious to begin with? What differences will there be? Yeah, well, it, it, it depends on how they're, how we raise our kids. You know, it, it kind of depends on this generation. I think that we have an opportunity to make it, make, to create... Um, to create second generation families that really don't struggle with these religious issues at all. It just becomes sort of, oh yeah, well, this is what we, this is what we believe. This is what I believe. This is what other people believe. It's not, there's no baggage, you know, there's no resentment. There's no, I don't, I haven't had, I haven't come from a place where I have been injured by religion. So I don't have to, I don't feel these kind of, you know, um, uh, I don't feel it like a hardship to talk nicely about religious people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel the same way. And I've mentioned this before in the show that I, I was raised by certainly not like atheist, big A parents, but certainly secular leaning mm-hmm. folks. And, you know, my parents were both raised Catholic, not super crazy about that whole thing. But like, yeah, it mm-hmm. wasn't, religion wasn't discussed in my household. Like once in a while I would kind of come yeah. home like, oh, a girl told me I was going to hell. What's that? Right. But yeah, right. I don't know. I I do think that there's a difference between being raised by parents who just like are sort of they don't apathetic care apathetic to right. religion, which is I think more yeah. common than like those of us who steep our lives in like the atheist movement. Exactly. Yeah, I do, th- and I think that that is is uh, definitely becoming a phenomenon in itself. Is is the people that leave religion don't know how to deal with it and then just say nothing. 
Yeah. Seems to be that's a, that, which, you know, comes with its own laundry list of problems, I have mm-hmm. to say. But, but, you know, I suppose it's a, it's a step up from, <laughs> from what it could be. Yeah. What did you learn from the other atheist writers out there right now who are writing books about atheist parenting? What did you take from mm-hmm. them uh, that kind of informed your own writing? Well, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dale's, um, and I, and I definitely have, you know, I interviewed him very early on in the process and we, we have a very similar philosophy about, um, you know, about secular parenting. So I, you know, I can't even tell you one thing that I took from him. I mean, we, we, I took, you know, I, I, I gained a lot from him, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure where, I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question. Um. I actually have a question. It's a little bit inside baseball, but I'm really curious because you also write for um, your blog, which is called Natural Wonders. Natural Wonders, which I flubbed the first time I tried to read your intro. Um, is it <laughs> difficult keeping up a blog and writing a book at the same time, especially because their topics seem to overlap a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, no, I found it to be really helpful, actually. Uh, it, it seemed in the first, the first years, it seemed that, you know, it really was writing the book alongside the blog. So you had the blog was feeding the book, the book was feeding the blog. It was really this symbiotic relationship that worked perfectly. Um, you know, I think it depends on, on who you are and what you're writing about. But for me, it took longer, you know, the book took a lot longer to write because I was, uh, writing the blog too, and committing a lot of time to that. But in the end, it's so much better for it. Mm-hmm. Like in the middle of blogging, I, I realized that I wanted to uh, survey a bunch of non-religious parents. So I put out um, uh, this survey and was able to sort of get it out through my blog and Dale McGowan um, as well. And and so we got a thousand non-religious parents to respond. And then I was able to use that to sort of anchor the book. So it's really not just, um, you know, my own kind of memoirist, you know, revelations or experiences. It's really based on what, you know, what people have told me and their experiences too, which has really, you know, made it a much richer book, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love getting the feedback and I've used it in a lot of my own like non-blog writing as well. It's yeah. great to toss out an idea on the website, get pilloried gets- by commenters if that's the case, yeah. but then use that feedback to write a better yes. version the next time. So it's yeah. always yes. been helpful. Exactly. It is helpful, especially if you're open to the feedback. I mean, there's, right. been, there's been some things that I have, have just cut from the book because I thought, you know, I don't think that I have a well-thought-out, you know, thesis here. Like, there's something that I'm chewing on and I'm realizing that, as I'm putting it out there, I'm getting this feedback where, you know, it's not quite either I'm saying it the wrong way or I haven't thought it out or mm-hmm. whatever it is, but it's not, this is not the book material, you know? And so it, it is really helpful in that way. It's like, it, it's like an, an editor without, you know, yeah, it's an it, editing, yeah, it's it like really a Wikipedia is. editing experience. The crowdsourcing. The editor. Yeah. And I don't know <laughs> if it's something about doing it all on your own, which you're doing, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I've been in the same boat where it's like getting that feedback is in yeah. so many ways even better than having an editor say, you know, I don't know about this sentence or this idea or right. something. Totally, but when totally. you put it out there and people are like, you're totally wrong, <laughs> and yeah. here's why you're wrong. And you read their yeah. stuff and you're like, huh, oh, yeah. some of this actually makes sense. I, 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 should, I should have exactly. anticipated that yeah. and fixed it ahead of time. But I will next yeah, time. <laughs> 
Exactly. And it's because they're your readers. That's the audience. They're your actual readers. And mm-hmm. so they're the ones that are going to be be interested in it. And um, and and they're the ones that, you know, even if you don't agree with them, even if they're they're coming to you with sort of this argument that you really don't think has a lot of merit, the fact that they're making it makes you think twice about it. Like, yeah. well, gosh, you know, now... either they're wrong and I need to explain why they're wrong or, you know, or they're right. But, but either way, I need to make sure that my, that my argument is very well made if I'm going to be facing this kind of criticism or whatever backlash. I found this to be the case a lot. I I make some YouTube videos and stuff, and I will spend a lot of time trying to make sure I covered all the bases to any topic that I'm covering. Mm -hmm. And what I found Mm -hmm. to be really helpful in YouTube comments of all places (laughs) is not that someone says uh, you you didn't do this or you failed this. Mm -hmm. They will offer a a, an argument, a counter argument to what I'm saying Mm -hmm. that I feel like. Uh, well, you're wrong, I, and I can argue with you on that. But I should have anticipated that rebuttal, and I should have addressed yes. it ahead of time. Yeah. That yes. is not feedback I would have thought of otherwise, because I figure, oh, I'm making this argument. I got to cover all these things, and I did, so there you go. Mm-hmm. Then someone says, well, yeah. what about this argument? It's like, no, you're wrong, but I should have answered you ahead yeah. of time before you could even make yes. that argument. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My, I wasn't. I hadn't thought this through enough to to make my argument as clear as right. I could have the first time. Right. Yeah. You don't want to have to rebut. Yeah. <laughs> you no, want to have to. It's very helpful. <laughs> you want to get up there and go, yes, I covered all this in my argument. Right. <laughs> that's I actually, answered your rebuttals in advance. That's actually one of my personal pet peeves if I'm yeah. reading like a blog post of something and every comment the author responds to that comment. Yes. I, for some reason that yes. like just irks me because I'm like, you had your chance to get your say. <laughs> I you should have seen this coming. So I don't true. know why. It just sets my teeth on edge. I know. I understand that. I do. It's like, no, you had your chance. Yeah. You had your, you had your, po- you are on the podium. I'm glad it's not <laughs> you just You had me. your five minutes. Right. Yeah. No, no, I totally see that. Um, one random question for you. You said you came from a background of journalism where you were writing a lot about criminal justice. And I wonder if mm-hmm. any of that knowledge or that expertise in that particular field, is there any overlap when you're writing about secular parenting? I mean, I, I'm not making that as a joke. Yeah. Maybe there isn't. But no, I wonder no. if there's anything uh-uh. in that world that... I don't take it as that, a joke. Is there anything in that yeah, world that plays in here? The answer to your question is yes, but not in, you know, in the criminal aspect. In, in the aspect of being a journalist and, uh, and, and writing a story that is quote-unquote objective... Um, and and fair and and neutral and and allowing yourself the the ability to see both sides, but and take away sort of the truth of it, and you know and and splice that together for you know for consumption. And the the reason that I think that it plays into what I'm doing now with this is that it's. So much of what I think parents need to do when it comes to talking to their kids about religion, they need to they need to adopt kind of a dispassionate tone and and not you know come to conversation with you know an extra grinder, a chip on your shoulder, or from a place of you know I know you know I am the Almighty Authority, I know the truth, you know I'm going to tell you the truth here. It's you know. Pretend you're a reporter and you're just you're just dispassionately saying this is what this person says. this is what this person says this is what we know to be the truth 
you know, make up your own mind because that's what we did in journalism. And I really feel like that has helped me a lot in talking to my kid about religion. I just take, I can take myself out of it a little bit. And I do mm-hmm. think that that would help parents if they, if they did that as well. So, sure. okay, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. And so people can find your uh, blog on Patheos. What's the address? Uh, it's natural wonders is the blog and we'll provide a link in the show notes. Okay. And your book, uh, relax. It's just God. How and why to talk about your kids about religion when you're not religious is hidden shelves in March, late March, March, March 31st. Okay. Great. We'll provide a link for that too. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you both. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois, and the music was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>